Hello and welcome to this edition of State of the Media, a weekly podcast about journalism, the industry, and its future. I'm your host, Brian Anderson. We've got a terrific guest here today with Madison Taylor, a former executive editor at the Burlington Times News, a small local community newspaper in the North Carolina triad area. Madison, thanks for coming on. It's great to have you. Hi, it's great to be here, Brian. Good to see you again. So I got to ask right out of the gate, what is the role of community newspapers in this increasingly digital time that we're finding ourselves in? Well, I think the role of community newspapers is, is the same as it always was, to provide uh, quality, uh, understandable, um, and uh, non-biased local journalism, uh, stories about what things are going on in communities, things about people in communities. What difficulties has the Burlington Times News and other outlets had in, in trying to satisfy those demands? I think staffing these days. Uh, when uh, I first came back to Burlington in 2007 as executive editor, we had eight reporters uh, in a newsroom of about 25, 26 people. Um, today they've got four reporters and a newsroom is about 13 people. So staffing, trying to get to everything that, that people are interested in is a challenge. And for listeners who are unfamiliar, what is the role of an executive editor on a typical day, if there is such a thing as a typical day? Uh, to make sure all our trains run on time, to make sure that, uh, that uh, uh, we advance what we're trying to cover in a day uh, in a timely basis, to make sure that my line editors are covering the things that, that uh, and have the reporters working on things they need to be working on, uh, to determine, uh, to make sure people get paid. Uh, uh, to uh, make sure we don't get sued. And <laughs> <laughs> full disclosure, I am still a correspondent with the Times News, should note that for our listeners. But I'm curious, within uh, our, our current media landscape, we're seeing a lot of new news websites coming about and people flocking towards outlets that might align with their beliefs. What challenges is that posing for community newspapers? Well, I think it poses a huge challenge, not just for newspapers. I, th I think people should understand that. It poses a challenge for television, too. Uh, TV journalism isn't the same as it used to be. They don't own the market quite like they used to. Uh, local stations like WFNY aren't quite the, the, the dominant forces they used to be in the market. Um, they're, they're being divided by websites, they're being divided by reader, reader interest. And a friend of mine, uh, executive editor at the Newburn Sun Journal, recently quit and took a job as like a copy editor outside of journalism and started his own website where he's covering local news himself that he doesn't feel the Sun Journal is covering anymore. So I think you're going to see more of those kind of things over time. A former executive editor moving to a copy editor role to start a new website? Yep. How common is this to see leadership lost in community newspapers? Well, I think uh, I think you're seeing it more and more. I think uh, a lot of editors are stepping aside. They they don't really like all the changes that are that have been made. Um, so so what are some of those changes that are being made? Well, I think newspapers are being scooped up by corporations. I mean, and you see it all around us. Uh, it used to be the uh, the News Observer and the Charlotte Observer were owned by two completely different companies. Now they're on, and then during her son. Then now they're all now they're all owned by the same company, right. uh, and so there's a lot of intermixing. Once one person covers the General Assembly for three newspapers, one person covers Carolina Sports for three newspapers. Uh, Winston Salem Journal and, and the Greensboro News and Record are owned by the same company. Um, the Burlington Times News is owned by Gatehouse Media, which seems to buy newspapers every other week, um, and they've got like like 200, 250 daily newspapers now. Um, and I think as that market becomes as they, they, they continue to scoop up these newspapers and cut staff, newspapers become more homogenized in terms of like all the contents coming from only a handful of sources. And I think just the, the corporation side, what they might say is, well, 
there's a lot of inefficiencies within this old way of doing things and we need to bring more of these outlets together to provide uh, a broader coverage that reaches more people. What would you say to that point? I think it, 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 it ignores the fact that local markets want local stories. Uh, I think they can get national news a lot of different places, but only a hand, only Burlington Times News really is covering the Burlington City Council consistently, or the Alamance County Commissioners, the Alamance School Board. Um, so you know, I think I think it's taking local news out of a local market and making bringing in other sources that really readers aren't probably interested in those markets. Do people care about local news still? You know, it's it's a, it's an interesting question. Uh, I think they do when it impacts them. I think sometimes they don't know it impacts until it's already happened, and I think this is a hard lesson people are going to learn. And what are some ways that the local government specifically impacts people that they might not ordinarily see? Because like you were saying, I think one of the biggest challenges is trying to, to reach people who don't know that there's stuff going on within their local community. Well, you know, I was talking to a person just this morning uh, about just local news in general, and he was, uh, he's a graduate of a major university, not this one, but he's a graduate of a major university. Uh, he's worked in the, in the real world since then. He's only recently realized that the Alamance County Commissioners are the funding source for the local school system. He didn't know that. He attended Williams High School. He attended University of North Carolina. But he doesn't, a lot of people don't understand how local government works and how many areas of life it touches. You said right now with the Burlington Times News there's four, four reporters. reporters. What challenge does that pose to providing that coverage? Some days you just can't get to everything. If uh, on election day, for example, the Burlington City Council will probably meet, uh, the Graham City Council will probably meet, uh, there's probably a school board meeting that day, and then there's an election to cover. And then anything else that comes up, crime or inevitable crime or the inevitable other things that come up on a given day, it becomes a stretch to get to all those things. And let's take a, just a step back in time. Can you talk about how you got started with journalism, the Times News? Well, I mean, I, was, I got into journalism when I was 12 years old um, at the local newspaper where I grew up in Danbury, North Carolina. I, uh, uh, I was a huge sports fan and I covered Little League games that uh, I actually played in, which represented sort of a conflict what of What position issues. were you? I, I was a, a pitcher and an outfielder. Okay. Actually, pitcher first baseman. Uh, I was a horrible outfielder. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, so my brother also played on the team. But, but Sports I, is where it first developed. I, I, wrote them, I wrote stories in longhand and submitted them to the then Danbury Reporter, which I now think is called the Stokes News. Uh, and the editor said, you keep writing these and I'll keep running them. And so I evolved from there to like... Uh, um, Writing, you know, by the time I was 16 years old, I was covering county commissioner meetings, uh, you know, just sort of part time and uh, uh, doing some crime and doing some features. And, and so that just sort of evolved from there. And how do you shift from a reporter role to an editor role? Uh, mostly for the money. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something that you don't hear many people <laughs> say in journalism. I did it mostly for the money. <laughs> well, I, it was really a way to move up. Uh, I wanted to move up in the business. Uh, I wanted to to uh, do other things. Uh, I wanted to be where decisions were made, uh, where you know, decisions were made like in terms of like what, what kind of staffing situations we had or you know, how many photographers we were going to have or what kind of equipment we bought. I wanted to be in that kind of position to, to actually improve the newspaper in that way. And how has the, editor, the role of executive editor evolved in terms of the decision-making power you have? I think it's far less. Uh, it used to be I could, uh, I would, this time of year was when we were putting together our budgets for the coming year. 
Well, I would I would come up with a spending plan or an expense plan for the 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 year ahead, which I had to hand do you know myself you know. And, so you were a little bit of an accountant as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, you had to come up with like, okay, we're going to give raises to these people this year. We're going to run these syndicate features this year. This this fee is going to go up this year. We're probably going to need to cut this as a result. We're going to need more money for this. Sports is going to cover these items this year, so we're going to need money for this, so we can go forward to go to all the Elon football games when they went to the CAA, and now they got to go to Rhode Island um, <laughs> instead of just Appalachian State. And uh, um, so those were decisions I, I was able to submit and incorporate either turn them down or, or whatever. Uh, but in the last five or six years I was on the job, they just kept things flat to the next year or cut, and I really didn't have much say in anything like that. So just for, for some listener context, you were talking about the transition Elon Athletics had from the SOCON Southern yeah, Conference yeah. to the Colonial Athletic. And if you're in the SOCON, you have a bunch of local teams like Appalachian State you're playing, whereas the Colonial Athletic Association, the football team, just uh, traveled up from Rhode Island. Right. So there's more expenses that aren't being permitted or, or that we have to we have to ask for, or we have to like figure out what the budget's going to be for that month. If we're going to go to New Hampshire, you know, if we're going to have to fly to New Hampshire, we're probably going to have to like maybe not go to something else. So because we're going to make sure we follow Elon on the road as often as we can for football, particularly. Well, there's always an opportunity cost. <laughs> it sounds like these days, and that's I think that's a good way to transition. We'll take a quick break and be right back. You're listening to State of the Media. We have Madison Taylor here, the former executive editor of the Burlington Times News. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to this edition of State of the Media. If you like what you're hearing, then you'll love my weekly newsletter. Each week I provide updates on the latest news I am breaking. To subscribe, just visit brianranderson.com. Again, that's B-R-Y-A-N-R-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to State of the Media. This is Brian Anderson. We're here with Madison Taylor, former executive editor of the Burlington Times News and now an employee with Elon <laughs> University, enjoying the more comfortable 5 p.m. You get to, to clock out, I guess. I can clock out at 5. Uh, nobody calls me at midnight to tell me there's some kind of problem. Uh, I don't have people calling, yelling me on, uh, calling me names on the phone. Uh, and um, I get to, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a writer. Mm-hmm. Instead of an editor, I don't, I don't, I'm not responsible for like the actions of 25 people or, you know, that, that will all come back to me. I'm responsible basically for me. And we were talking before the break a little bit about the past and some of the challenges of running a local news operation. What, what solutions are, are being made right now or in what efforts are underway to make local, hyper-local journalism more accessible and, and, more more engaging i think that i really think that uh, uh uh traditional print publications are still struggling to find their way um i think that uh, you and i talked about whether there's interest in local news i think it's it's hit or miss uh i do think people become fixated on the national news the the things going on in washington dc are the things that's capturing their attention and the, and issues that really impact them much more in a much more direct way are going on really largely unseen or underreported or they're just being reported, but they're paying no attention. Um, I'm not sure how to make things more engaging. I know that... Well, are, uh, are there is there a way to change people's minds or, or do you just have to accept people are focusing on the national headlines and 
and that's not a place for us. Is, is there a way to shift a mentality or adapt to the reality of the situation? I, I think there has to be a way to adapt to the reality of the situation, but I just don't think we've found it yet. But uh, I think reader habits are still evolving. I think we, we continue to see things moving in a, in a, in a very odd direction and, and the market becomes more and more fractured. The market might become more and more fractured than ever. Um, people who are interested in education are going to be hyper fixated on education and there's still those people. People who are uh, really fixated on crime and there's a lot more of those. Uh, you know, they're going to remain fixated on those things. Um, I don't, I hesitate to tell news sites, news websites and, and really think, you know, all publishing, all print publishing websites are going to be all digital before long and I think it's going to be quicker than most realize. Uh, that upsets my mother who's 86 and reads the Winston-Salem Journal every day. but. Uh, um, it's it's going to be very quick now. So uh, you think print print is going to be non-existent for local journalism? It's going to be I diminished. Think, I think oh, I think it's already diminished. I think right. you know when we're looking at uh, we're looking at one the staff cuts. Uh, we're also looking at at uh, circulation declines that are that are you know very steep and I think growing more and more steep. Uh, newspapers are having trouble even getting print product delivered. Um, they, they're being published in off-site places. The Times News is published in Fayetteville. Um, you know, like five or six gatehouse newspapers are published in Fayetteville and then trucked. And to, cut, cut it in cost that way. So, and and it, it's cut costs that way, but it also eats into your deadline. If, uh, if the Times News Sports Department has to get things to Fayetteville an hour or two earlier than they used to have to get it to the Burlington Press so it can get back in time to be delivered, well, you know, their deadline for sports is 10 o'clock. A lot of things don't get, a lot of sports don't even, the, the outcomes aren't complete until after 10 o'clock. I'm just thinking about a lot of the, the Duke University basketball games yeah. or Elon basketball games you cover that end at 10, 9.15, yeah. 9.30, and yeah. you've got to have the design all laid out. And every, so, so walk me through uh, the, the preparation when you know there's an event that you've got to cover that readers are going to want to hear about the next morning in your paper. How do you go about pro satisfying that need? Well, you, so there's some things that you're just not going to be able to do. I mean, a, a Duke Carolina game that starts at 9 o'clock this, this, uh, this winter mm -hmm. is not going to be in the Times News. It just won't. Uh, I think what, what the challenge is is to try and, and write features and columns and things on, on the second day level and then, but, but post things immediately online to get in or an immediate result. But if you're going to continue to do things in print of a Carolina Duke game that ends at 11 o'clock, 11:30 at night, you're going to have to like do a lot of analysis and a lot of more intriguing kind of stories like that rather than straight game stories. Um, the other things though, things that are in like right at nine, they can still do, but they have to do they have to be well planned, uh, and there can be really almost no they can't leave no much, margin of error, no <laughs> margin for error, and not not much space to 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 you know to get in the bare minimum that fills a hole maybe on one page without continuing it inside to another page. Uh, I think are the things they have to do and, and, and make sure they get photos early. One of the consequences I think we've, we've seen from the Fayetteville, the shift to Fayetteville, and just, in, just with staffing cuts as well with the Times News and other local papers is we're seeing more Washington Post bylines. We're seeing yes. more associated press bylines. We're seeing some of these national stories take up a lot of real estate on the front page and throughout the paper. Is that something that concerns you? Is that something that's satisfying a need for people who want national news? I don't think so. I think, I think it's, it's typically, you know, day-old national news. I mean, um, you know, I, I, 
they don't like it when I say this, but you know, I started calling it the uh, the relic edition. Uh, <laughs> you know, like even the next day, because by then it's already been out for like you know, free, typically twenty four hours. Particularly if you're on social media, if you're on social media, you read something and then it's not in the next day's paper. It's in the, the day after, and to you it seems thirty six hours old. Well, that's pretty old in today's society. So, how how do we go forward with local? journalism and, and investing in it. Is it something that's even investable today? I, just, I still think there's, there's enough interest. And I think it's just got to be promoted well online and it's going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to like be on social media. They have to be on sites where they can attract readers. Um, I, I, think, I think they need to stay away from, uh, I think they need to look at more investigative kind of stuff rather than maybe some nuts and bolts stuff, doing, doing bullet points from meetings that, you know, just to give people sort of a background, this, they took this action on the following things and then pick and choose the one or two things to really dig into and write in-depth stories about them. You were with the Times News through 2016? 2016. It was almost a year ago. November 18th was my last day, 2016, so I'm about a month from that. And what changes have you seen since November 18th that you like that year that you dislike within the past year? Well, I mean, obviously they lost another reporter uh, after after I left. I mean, we had five people when I left, and then uh, Anna Johnson left to go to the Durham Herald Sun, and they didn't replace that position. And, you know, I, I just think that's bad. And she uh, was covering she was government? Covering, yeah, she was covering county and city government. Now they're court reporters also covering county government, and the cop reporters covering city government. And just for uh, some listener context, there was Anna Johnson who was covering local politics. That was her, her beat, right. what she was regularly doing. There was terrific reporter. I hope she's listening. Natalie uh, Janicello, and she was doing crime. And right now you had someone new who's doing the best she can. She is doing it. She's doing the best she can. To, to replace Natalie, but now also sort of replacing Anna Johnson. Yeah. One of the things that I think uh, bugs me the most is when you see uh, a, po a poll online for the Times News and it asks, what's the most important issue today? That, that Or what issues do you care about? And at the top of the list, crime and government. Right. Yet you have one person doing that. Are news outlets just out of touch with their readers? I, I think that's been the case for a long time. And I, you, and even in, in the old days, media outlets, or reporters, editors, people would call in to give them some advice about something, complaints, frequently complaints. Uh, but they would just ignore them. And I think that was a mistake. And, and I believe that then, and I always tried to listen. When people called me when I was the editor, I tried to always listen to what they had to say because I always felt like I could learn something from it, uh, unless they became abusive. And then, of course, you <laughs> hung up on them. And Well, you then know. you defer them elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, nobody should have to listen to no. abuse. But frequently, you, you learn from people by what they tell you and what they tell you their interests are. And I think too often newspapers tuned out people and didn't pay much attention to what their interests are. They thought they knew best, and I don't think they always do. As of, well, I should, I, we talked a little bit about the, the sort of negative aspects. What are some of the positives taking place since, since you've gone and over this past year that you see with the Times News well, and, I, I that do, you like? I think they're working very hard. I, I don't think I've ever seen the staff uh, work as hard as they're working now. I think Rich is doing a great job of... Uh, Rich Jackson, uh, the Rich current Jackson executive editor. He's doing a great job of, of keeping them on task. Uh, I know that uh, when, you, when you've got fewer people and you're asked to do more, uh, this is really a challenge, and I think they're doing as well as they can do with, uh, with, uh, with what they have. Last couple ones for you, just future of local reporting. We saw a paywall uh, 
last for momentarily online. How, how, what are some of the ways and business models that are currently being used for local journalism that aren't working and or that we could be using to, to have work? How, how do we basically keep local reporting going is what I'm asking. That's a very good question. I don't think anybody knows the answer. It's, it's, uh, uh, people have historically not wanted to pay for news online. Uh, you know, the people have paywalls or the paywalls exist, uh, people find ways around them or they just stop going to those sites. Um, it's a shame really that I, I think they, they think that too many people... News is free. News is free, although but buying a newspaper was never free. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, there's that. And, and, but I, I think, you know, I talk to a lot of people who don't want to pay for news online. And I, if you're interested in a subject, I think, you know, that they have to find some way, even if it's like selling by the story. Um, you know, if you could go in and buy, you know, the opportunity to read a story for a quarter or 50 cents. Um, you know, to, to just get people interested in the product, I think sometimes that's better than giving them this blanket. Okay, if you you know if you pay this amount, then you have unlimited access. Well, just hearing that through, I, I'm even saying to myself, I wouldn't want to do that, and yeah. I love the Times News yeah. online and, and reading it. Yeah. So, uh, so there's really no answer to this this problem. And I think if you if there was an answer, you'd probably be a millionaire yeah. right now. But w what are some of the things that executive editors can, can do to maybe reduce the harmful consequences of, of this? Well, I think cover news responsibly. Um, cover it uh, uh, in a timely manner. Um, try to be as accurate as you can. Um, uh, try to get things online as quickly as you can though, and as accurately as possible. Um, and do the thing I was, you know, dig into stories. Tell people things they don't. Tell people things they don't know that they maybe need to know. And last one for you. I'm a reporter, and I'm a student at Elon University. I don't like to say student reporter, but what would be your advice to reporters who are students in college right now to prepare for this uncertainty in journalism that we're seeing? Well, I think there's always going to be. A, I think there's a market still for like good writing uh, and quality journalism. Um, I think people want it. People want news. Uh, I think they just haven't decided what kind of news they want yet. Um, what I what I tell what I tell people that, that are that are deciding to be reporters is to read newspapers, uh, to read a lot of good newspapers, to read good writers, uh, and and reading is probably the best way to learn how to write. Uh, I always find that I write better when I'm reading the work of good writers. That's that's probably the best tip I can give you. But also be receptive to all forms of how you can report. You know, don't limit yourself. So you're, you're, you know, you're doing a podcast here. Uh, you, you've done a lot of online kind of reporting. Uh, you're, you're flexible about doing, doing digital work. I think in the future you're going to need to report from wherever you are, anytime, anywhere, using whatever means you can. Madison, it was great having you on. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for asking, Brian. And listen, good luck to you. Well, that was State of the Media with Madison Taylor. We'll be back next Monday with a brand new episode. And for all our new listeners, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on Apple Podcasts. Just search State of the Media. And if you like our podcast, or even if you don't, please leave us a review. <laughs> it does help people find our podcast. <laughs> we'll see you back next week.